It's Monday, August 29th. I'm Pam Jones. It was back to school for thousands of students across Maryland today. I'll have a quick recap of the kickoff in the city and counties. Workers at a grocery chain in Baltimore have voted to unionize for better pay and job security. And when it comes to American politics from national down to our local elections, it seems we are more divided than at any other time in recent history. We'll share an excerpt from a Johns Hopkins political science professor who's co-authored a new book that speaks to the violence and danger of what she calls radical American partisanship. It's the Daily Dose from WIPR, our latest reporting on Maryland's COVID-19 response and the local news of the day, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Across the city, excited students made their return to schools this morning. Mayor Brandon Scott and City School CEO Dr. Sonia Santalisas were among city and state leaders on hand for the welcome back celebrations. WYPR's education reporter, Jacana Collier, reports. Dr. Santalisas and other leaders walked the halls of Abbottstown Elementary School and Mount Royal Elementary Middle, where students started their days with chants, story time, and morning circle. Santalisas said the two schools exemplified the three areas the district plans to prioritize this school year, one area being school engagement. The music, the art, athletics that we've again invested Kerwin blueprint dollars in, those are the things that we know draw young people into school and frankly keep them from being engaged in activity that is not productive. There will also be an emphasis on building quality relationships and academic support for students. Jakina Collier, WIPR News. The temperature will determine the school day for some Baltimore City students tomorrow. School officials say those schools without air conditioning will have shorter days Tuesday because of the forecast it's expected to be in the low 90s. The decision affects 14 schools in the city system. Officials say nine of the schools, including City College, will end their days at 1130, while the remaining schools will end classes at 1230. Virtual learning programs will dismiss at their regular time. And city and county school officials say they have cut significantly the number of teacher vacancies they still need to fill. WIPR's John Lee says both school systems are moving employees around to cover classes as well as hiring new teachers. As of late last week, the city was reporting 225 teacher vacancies, the county fewer than 200. Earlier in the summer, both school systems reported far higher numbers. Part of the solution has been shifting employees, like deploying more people from the two school systems headquarters into the classrooms. But both the city and the county have been hiring new teachers as well. County Superintendent Darrell Williams says the nationwide teacher shortage has changed the game. When I was a young teacher, hiring only took place around the spring and summer. Now we have to be hiring all year. Williams says earlier this month he met with 750 newly hired educators and the enthusiasm about the start of school was running rampant. And students and staff who returned to schools in Anne Arundel County today found COVID-19 guidelines have been relaxed. John Lee continues with that story. Masks will not be required inside schools, and if you come in close contact with someone with COVID and you are asymptomatic, you no longer have to go into quarantine. 
And Baltimore County Health Officer Dr. Gregory Branch says the game changer is that anyone six months and older can get vaccinated. But if people don't get vaccinated, then they're still in that same vulnerable state. The county continues to offer free COVID vaccine clinics. And parents who are listening to this, Dr. Branch wants to tell you something. Parents, 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 please keep your children home from school when they're not feeling well. He says that will decrease the spread of any type of viral infection, including COVID. John Lee, WIPR News. Workers at Mom's Organic Market have voted to form a union. The vote comes as more employees in the Baltimore area vote to unionize for better pay and job security. Workers at Mom's voted 58 to 5 to join Teamsters Local 570. Now that the union vote has been taken, bargaining will begin between management and labor. There's been no immediate comment from Mom's corporate officials in response to the union vote. Baltimore County police are looking for school crossing guards. Over 20,000 students in the county walk to school, and police say they have plenty of openings, especially in the eastern and western parts of the county. Police officers will fill in the gaps as they look for more crossing guards to apply. Send an email to crossingguard at baltimorecountymd.gov. American politics seems more divided than ever, and that division can lead to extreme views about political opponents that they are evil or less than human, according to Johns Hopkins political scientist Liliana Mason. In her latest book, co-authored with Louisiana State Professor Nathan Calmo, Radical American Partisanship, Mason says these attitudes can be a precursor to violence, like the attack on the U.S. Capitol. In a recent interview with WIPR's On the Record host, Sheila Cast, Mason spoke to just how widespread the acceptance of political violence is in her view and how she defines radical partisanship. This is an idea that Nathan Calmo and I came up with in 2016 to basically think about American partisanship as potentially something that could be extreme and harmful, which is not the way that we had tended to think about partisanship previously. Our traditional view of partisanship is that it's just sort of a useful, um, you know, cue that people can use to make political decisions. But looking at American politics, we started thinking that, you know, perhaps there can be an element to partisanship that's actually much more extreme. And so we decided to start trying to measure it to figure out whether or not there were some more extreme elements out there. No one had been measuring it uh, in that way before. Our most extreme measure was sort of, you know, do you like people in the other party or do you dislike them? And so we started asking some some pretty wild questions that we didn't expect people to uh, to really answer in the affirmative, but but surprisingly, they really did. Mason says it's not always about physical violence and that there were two different concepts examined. We think of it as two different concepts. So the first is what we call moral disengagement, which is sort of the precursor to violence in many places where mass violence occurs. So this includes dehumanizing people in the other party, thinking of them as evil, thinking of them as a threat. And when you hold those attitudes, it makes it a lot easier to harm people uh, without thinking that you're a bad person yourself. So we ask those types of questions, and then we also ask explicit questions about 
actual approval of violence? To what extent do you think it's okay to engage in violence to achieve political goals? In general, what we found was that the, that people are much more morally disengaged than they are approving of violence, but there are still concerning numbers of people who are who approve of political violence in the United States. In the first chapter, you write, quote, there is no truthful way to write a book on partisan violence today that pretends both parties are equally culpable, that their actions are morally equivalent, or that they pose equal dangers to the democratic project, close quote. That seems like an unusual move for a political scientist. It is, uh, and that's why we wanted to explicitly say it. Uh, it's you know we're we're trained much like much like journalists are. We're trained to be nonpartisan in all of our work, but we're also trained to be pro democracy. And in recent years, what we've been seeing is that we sort of can't be both, uh, and so we've decided to take the pro democracy side. And Mason spoke to what the findings are when it comes to which party is seen as creating the most polarization or what ideology poses the greatest threat to democracy. We see sort of equal levels of extremism between Democrats and Republicans. But among Republicans, these attitudes are really driven by, um, you know, feelings of racial resentment, of sexism, you know, things that are associated with uh, with less equality and with less justice. Let's step back a minute. Is polarization at an all-time high in the United States? It depends how you measure polarization. A lot of people think of polarization as, you know, people disagreeing about policy. And that's actually not very, uh, very much the case right now. Uh, and so when people think about policy, there, there, most Americans actually have a lot of agreement in terms of what they want government to do. But if you think about polarization as Democrats and Republicans hating each other, then yes, it is at an all-time You can hear more of On the Record's discussion with Johns Hopkins Associate Professor of Political Science Liliana Mason about her book Radical American Partisanship, co-authored with Louisiana State Professor Nathan Calmo at WIPR.org. The Daily Dose is brought to you by WYPR, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Many thanks to my news team colleagues, Rachel Bay, Shekinah Collier, Bethany Raja, John Lee, Joel McCord, and Kristen Mossbrugger. Our general manager is LaFontaine Oliver. The executive editor of The Daily Dose is Danielle Irby. If you have a scoop or suggestion for this podcast, my social media hangout is Twitter at That's Pam Jones. So remember to be courageous and stay curious. I'm Pam Jones. Thanks for listening.